service and ministers to us according to our needs. And uh, I know that uh, you feel the same way I do. We count on God all the time. And uh, I, I don't come to you today as a, thank you, I must have sounded dry, dry to him. So anyway, there we go. Uh, I've uh, had the chance of being here several times that have never spoken here. So it's good to see all of you. I had, uh, I know Marcia English, right? Uh, we've known each other for a long time. We were on an evangelism team together in Sharon. Oh, man, that was 40 years ago. <laughs> but anyway, um, we are both aging, we noted this morning. So uh, we praise God for keeping us going. And uh, But we want to stop in prayer and just invite uh, his presence here today and pray once again for Pastor Tim that God will minister to him and raise him up once again. Lord, we are so grateful that we could raise up our voices in praise to your name through these songs. You are a great God. We love you and praise you. And Lord, you're not just great. You are a God who longs to be involved in our lives and for us to know you better and better, for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so, Lord, you bring us here once again, again together today that we may grow in our relationship with you and with each other. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. And, and Lord, I just pray for your fresh anointing on this preacher, Lord, as I share the good news, but also on all who are here today. You tell us in your word that no one understands God or comes to God except the Spirit draw him. Uh, we won't uh, know more about you unless the Spirit brings understanding. And so we're praying for that wonderful ministry once again today. Lord, minister to us by your Spirit. But we pray your special touch on Pastor Tim this morning. We thank you, Lord, for his belief and trust in you as his healer. Uh, Lord, for the procedures you brought him through recently and, and now this adjustment to this medication. We just pray, Lord, that, that his reaction will not continue, but, Lord, that all of this would settle down and bring him back into the, the wonderful health that he has enjoyed throughout his life. Lord, to touch him and heal him from on high, Lord. You are the... The healer. We thank you for doctors and nurses and medications. You've given knowledge for that. But, Lord, we praise you most of all as the Lord, our healer. So, Lord, I pray that you administer to him. May he sense your presence today. And now, Lord, speak to us through your word. We praise you and trust you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've noticed that guys especially tend to talk in terms of power or strength a fair amount of the time. Uh, this was caricatured on a popular TV show several years ago where Tim the Toolman Taylor was always looking for a more powerful tool or car and invariably he got himself into trouble as you may remember when something was overpowered and he destroyed it or he hurt himself or both, okay? But it goes beyond that. Strong athletes are admired. The longest drive in golf. The baseball batter who can knock a ball over the fence. And even the football player who can make yardage by injuring other players on the way. You know, we, we just look, we admire that strength. And boy, then there are powerful cars that can burn the tires right off the rim. Powerful tools that can 
really shorten the amount of time it takes to complete a certain job. I just got back from a, a recent mission trip to West Virginia, and we used tower nail guns. Oh, man, those babies are fast compared to this. You know what I mean? Wow. Several years ago, I had an electric, an electric power washer that generated 1,600 pounds of pressure per square inch. It was a decent machine, you know, but I could only clean about an inch-wide path of my driveway at a time. It took forever to clean things. And then I heard about a friend who mentioned that he wanted to sell his power washer that generated, generated 2,900 pounds of, per square inch. I am now able to clean it about one-tenth the time that I was before. I mean, it's a wonderful machine. We like power, uh, guys, but especially, I think women and girls like power as well. You know, of course, that there is another kind of power that isn't measured by horsepower or the weight that you can lift, the distance a ball is hit, or, or by a, opponents mowed down on a football field. It's an inner strength of character or spirit that helps a person to face really difficult times in life. It might be a debilitating handicap or condition, a life-threatening disease, hardship that would make most of us shudder, if not lose all courage. All of us, every single one of us, will face challenges that will test us to our core in life. It might be unemployment or a miserable working environment. Because of my wife's involvement, I've gotten involved in a local gardening club. And uh, one day we were working there, and I, I, there was a lady there that I'd known in the Chamber of Commerce for a number of years, and I said, so how was work today, Betty? And she's absolutely horrible. And, of course, you know, when we're asking people how they're feeling, we're expecting them to say, oh, I'm fine. You know, we don't expect them to go into stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I said, oh, well, I, I hope it gets a lot better from this point on in the day than, than what you did at work. It might be a marriage that is struggling. A rebellious child who seems determined to mess up his or her life. The, the list is practically endless. But when we face these challenges... Powerful machines, as wonderful as they are, tremendous athletic ability or strength, won't make any difference, will they? There is something much deeper that we have to reach for. Now, from a, a humanistic or uh, psychological viewpoint, they would say we just need to reach down deep inside and, and muster up the courage and the stamina and the will to get through that tough time. Is that what God's Word says? It does teach you that God created you with certain capacities that interact with his presence in your life if you have a relationship with him through Christ. It, it caused the Apostle Paul to write some things that sound mystifying, if not totally irrational on the surface, like, when I am weak, then I am strong. What? What does that mean? Actually, he wrote that in the context of God refusing to remove a difficulty from his life, even after pleading with the Lord three times, please, Lord, take this away. 
He told Paul why he wasn't going to take it away. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, sufficient is a great word. It means Paul would have exactly what he needed from God, and I think that's an important principle for our lives. God's power is made perfect in our human weakness. Now, let's just take a moment here. Reality check. Okay, we are weak, aren't we? I hope you've come to realize that. We also know that God is omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful. So here's the, here's the question. How can the level of his strength seem to be dependent on the level of our weakness? If we are strong... Does that mean in some way his power is diminished? Not in any way. There are many verses throughout Scripture that help us to understand this. One is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I have an eagle that my dad carved for me one time. And he had a a plate with this verse put across the base of that. So it's a reminder to his son and to all of us in the next generation that our strength is in the Lord. The point of the, of the, of uh, uh, this verse assumes that there will be times in our lives when we won't feel or even be strong. And that's again true of every one of us. But the point of this verse is that our hope, our faith must be in the Lord to have the strength that we need for the trials of life. So when Paul said that he was actually strong when he was weak, it was about his understanding or living with the realization that he was in fact weak, but in the midst of that, hoping or putting his confidence in the Lord, his strength. I tell you, as a believing dad, grandpa, and servant of the Lord, I want to live right there. I don't want to live in some delusional place where I assume I have enough strength on my own to make it. I want his strength to be at full strength or perfected, as Paul writes here, every single day in my life. Turn with me to to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is praying for the believers in Ephesus, the town of Ephesus, consistently. And I want to read starting with verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. You may remember that in another passage that the Apostle Paul commanded us or challenged us to pray without ceasing or don't stop praying. And that's what he's doing here, isn't it? He's grateful for his new brothers and sisters in Christ, so he thanks the Lord for them, and then he intercedes for them. Verse 17 tells us the first thing he prayed. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, always pay attention when you you, you see the words so that in the scripture. It's the purpose or reason that God has given us this passage. Why should we pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better? 
Now, notice that Paul didn't just pray about this one time. He says, I keep asking. My friend, I, I hope you have someone praying this for you, that you would be given a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, you become motivated or moved to have true wisdom from God. You may know that one definition of wisdom, it's really common, the correct application of knowledge. That's the, the definition that's out there, okay? But in the biblical sense, wisdom means knowing and understanding things from God's perspective. And there's nothing more important than that, is there? I hope you believe that, okay? We, we, we can gain knowledge about the world we live in. Oh, there's so much knowledge out there now, or at least verbiage, okay? But the answers to the why questions of life give meaning and purpose because they tell us why God put us here and his intense desire to have us know him. Now, the word revelation is similar. It's about God's truth revealed. Understanding the Bible and how it applies to your life or mine. Both of these are focused on the most important person in your life and mine, God. And Paul prayed that they would have true wisdom and that God's truth would be revealed to them so that they would know God better. That they would be growing consistently in their relationship with God. For everyone here who has put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, this is a good marker for, to see, to, for you to see how you're doing as a follower of Jesus. Ask yourself. Ask yourself this question. As I am worshiping God this morning, do I know Him better today than I did last Sunday? Did I pray and read the Bible this week so that He could help me grow in wisdom and that He could reveal His truth to me? I believe that Paul kept praying about that because we have an enemy, Satan, who never gives up in trying to take us away from God. In fact, Paul wrote in another passage that Satan actually snatches the truth from our minds if we allow him to. I had an experience a couple years ago with a, a friend that I grew up with at Grandview Alliance Church in Erie. My dad was the pastor there. I went to Sunday school every week with this guy. I went to morning worship every week with him. I went to Sunday evening youth group with him every week. And then after that, the evening service every week. And we usually showed up there on Wednesdays as well. We were in church together all the time. So he came to me several decades later and told me that he was in a real crisis with his wife. He thought that she was going to throw him out or he was going to... Actually, she did throw him out and then got a protection from abuse order on him. And her, her uh, brother was a, a, a well-known judge in Erie, and he was scared to death of what might happen in his life. And I, for some reason, I felt led to share the gospel with him about salvation through Jesus Christ. And he accepted Christ in my office, praise God. But what, what, what was astonishing to me, he said, thank you, I've never heard that before. Say what? After being in church and Sunday school with me, alongside me, hearing from godly teachers and preaching and all that kind of stuff, week after week, hundreds of times, I never heard that. Satan had snatched that truth 
out of his mind. Scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. My spirit will not always strive with them. We need to listen to God when he's speaking to us, folks. Okay? What happens? Instead of knowing God better, our life with him diminishes if we're going that pathway. We actually know him less than we knew him in an earlier time. You and I have have people that we have lost touch with over the years. I can remember their names sometimes. I remember their faces, at least what they used to look like. But I have totally lost track of what they liked and didn't like over the years. Back when I was spending time with them, I knew all about them, but now I don't have a clue. Here's the point. Don't let that happen in your relationship with the Lord. He's given you and me His Word to get to know Him better and better. He's given us His Spirit so that we can have a heart tune-up every day. When I live and react to everything with His heart and His priority, what He reveals to me about every situation, or will I live by my own impulses? There was a, a time in the nation of Israel when it, it was the time of the judges when it said, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that describe our culture today? Now, I believe that one of the reason, or one reason that most of us are here today is to worship God and know him better. So attending worship is in line with this prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed, isn't it? Pray that God will give you his spirit of wisdom and revelation each day and fill you with a longing, a longing to know him better. Paul's next prayer for the Ephesians is in, is in verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul has already prayed that they would have the, the spirit of revelation. So this fits in with that, doesn't it? But he's praying very specifically about an important spiritual truth that is critical to our outlook on life and our future. The phrase, eyes of your heart, is about God sharpening our spiritual eyesight in the deepest part of our being, the part of our lives that will, will live forever. Paul says he wants them and us to know the hope to which he, that is God, has called you and me. Hope is, is more than the emotion we have when we're confident, at least hopeful, that something will happen. It includes the content or object of what we hope for, in this case, heaven, and being in his presence forever. There's a, uh, I hear people say, when I, perhaps I say, well, on your, are, are you on your way to heaven? Well, I hope so. And they think that's about as good as it can get. I hope you understand that hope in the Bible is more than I hope so. I hope so, is wishful thinking. And John wrote, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Absolute confidence and surety based on what Jesus did for us and our trust and our belief in him, not based on how I feel on a particular day or how good I'm acting. I'm so glad that God saved me that way. How about you? 
In his first letter to the Christians in Corinth, Paul quoted from the prophecy of, of Isaiah when he wrote these words, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I hope that's a wow moment for you. If we can't even imagine what it's like, it must be amazing. That's true in many ways, but Paul continues on with these words in the next verse. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. These are the deep spiritual realities Paul is praying that they and we will grow to understand. That God has a wonderful place that He is preparing for us, for them. Now, what's kind of amazing about this is that not only do we get heaven, but it actually states that God gets us. You and I are called a glorious inheritance. I don't feel like a glorious inheritance very often, do you? The other day I was grumpy all day. I was not glorious at all, okay? So I am amazed at his mercy, grace, and love, which once I responded to it, guaranteed my place in heaven with him. But really, Clyde Davis, <laughs> you, <laughs> a glorious inheritance? Absolutely. That's how God views you and me. The Bible says he rejoices over us with singing. He loves us more than we can possibly comprehend. So I am a glorious inheritance, and so are you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can confidently say, I am a glorious inheritance for God. And so I'm going to just let that sink in a little bit. I'm going to have you say that with me. I am a glorious inheritance for God. You don't sound very convinced. That's all right. It's hard to convince me too. But let's say it again together, okay? I am a glorious inheritance for God because he says so. Doesn't that make you want to get closer to the one who out of intense love did so much on the cross to bring you to himself that he calls you, he calls you a glorious inheritance. Okay, we're finally to the power part. Verse 19 is part of what Paul said he was praying for them. Uh, verses 19 through 21. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is, the, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In verse 18, Paul said that he was praying that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened so that they would know the hope to which God had called them. So that they would know that God viewed them and us as a glorious inheritance. But here's the third thing. They and us need to have an enlightened heart or spirit to grasp, to understand God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That tells me that it's very possible for you and me as believers to live our lives, hear me now, and never experience this power. 
I mentioned that I went on a, a mission trip recently to West Virginia. Many of the tools were battery-operated. Now, we all have, I mean, if you don't have a battery-operated tool, you have a cell phone, most likely, okay, that are powered by a battery. And they are wonderful, aren't they? You can go practically anywhere with them. Now, here's the thing. Battery-operated tools and phones are great if what happens? You plug them in to charge the battery, right? Okay. Or use the tool enough that the battery doesn't just die on you. Okay, that's what happened to me. I have a, a battery-operated uh, drill, and, and I've gone through three sets of batteries with that thing because I don't use it like a contract or whatever. And so, anyway, I went out and bought a $29 uh, Black & Decker, and it's fine. <laughs> okay. You plug it in, okay? Every person who comes to Christ starts their life on a fresh charge. Aren't new Christians exciting? Apparently you haven't been around any. You're not very excited. Okay. Anyway, they are. But, but here's the thing. That initial charge doesn't take you very far in living for Christ. In a sense, every Christian is a rechargeable model. But this comparison between us and, and, and rechargeable tools or phones falls apart. Once I charge the battery on my drill, it can be a totally away from the charger for a while. Can I be away from Christ? Not at all. My friend, you and I need to stay close to the Lord all the time. In John 15, Jesus called himself the vine, like in a vineyard. We are the branches that must remain in him or connected to him. Or, he said, you won't bear fruit in your life. You won't be productive and grow as a Christian. One commentator wrote that this is the greatest collection of power and greatness words in the Scriptures. Incomparably. Translates the Greek word hyperbalon. I know you'll remember that, okay? It means going beyond, far exceeding. Great translates the word megathos. It means truly large and great. The word power translates the word dynamis, which means great force and might. It's a word that is often used to describe the miracles of Jesus. It's also the word from which we get the English word, everyone, folks? Dynamite, okay? Boy, they, you know, uh, we, haven't, we don't get dynamite like we used to. It used to be you could go into the hardware store and pick up some dynamite. And, and what, what's really scary about this, we, we have a church camp down in Haffey, and there were a lot of trees around, so sometimes they had to get um, stumps out, stuff like that. And so the pastors would get down to the hardware store and buy dynamite. Think about how scary that is, okay? But the power that Paul is praying that the Ephesians would experience and that we would experience includes all of these descriptions I've just given you. He adds that it's the same power. Say it with me. Same power. Same power as what? Okay? That brought Jesus back to life. Conquering Satan, death, and the grave. We celebrated that just recently in Easter, didn't we? Everything we have in life is based on that victory, folks. Jesus won so overwhelmingly that he took his rightful place next to his Father in heaven and shares his Father's full authority over heaven, over this world, in fact, over the entire universe. 
So there is this amazing storehouse of power that God wants to share with you and with me. I like technology. I admit it. Kind of interested in electric cars. I have a, a Ford Mustang GT with a V8 in it. Now they have a Mustang Mach-E that is electric. It has amazing acceleration. It can, go, it, it can go 0 to 60 as fast as the new Shelby Mustang 500, 3.5 seconds. But it can only go 300 miles on a charge. That's a problem. My son and daughter-in-law and granddaughters live 325 miles away. <laughs> I don't care how fast you can get to 60. I want to get there, okay? <laughs> I likely wouldn't make it to my son's house on one charge. I don't like the idea of almost making it. I want a sure, accessible source of power. As long as they keep uh, pumping gasoline, I'm going to take the Ford Mustang GT down there, okay? And believe it or not, my wife gives me the okay to really let her rip when I get up on the ramps going onto the highway. Just so you know, I don't have any problem getting up to speed. Paul wouldn't be praying for us to have our hearts enlightened so that we would know, receive, experience, and be strengthened by this incomparably great power if it wasn't available or accessible to you and me. We are so interested in power tools, power cars, physical strength. Paul calls us to experience the power of Christ so that we can successfully meet all of the challenges that we face in this life. But experiencing the power is, is not a separate thing from, from praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know God better. Or praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we can experience hope and understand that we are a glorious inheritance for God. It's obvious, for one thing, that prayer is important, isn't it? Because Paul is praying for this to happen in their lives. I believe that it's so important that we pray these kinds of prayers for ourselves and each other. Earlier we read another verse, Paul wrote that when he was weak, that he was strong. Does that mean that all we have to do is be weak and then we're automatically strong? I think you know that's not true, right? <laughs> okay. Because we've all been there many times in life, just plain old weak. Okay. Even when we expected that we might be strong. Do you, you remember the passage where Paul, uh, God told Paul that his strength is perfected in his and our weakness? Perfected is translated from the Greek word teleo, which means to be completed. In Luke 18.31, uh, it is used of prophecy, and it means for them to be fulfilled. If the word is used of a person's life and mission, it means to complete it. It's perfected when you and I, in the midst of not just feeling weak, but actually being inadequate and weak, pray and seek the Lord who is our strength. I want you to think for a moment about your salvation. Did you, can you, do anything to save yourself? No, not according to God's word. Jesus did everything 
for us. We accept that by our faith and trust Him. And when we do that, He gives us the gift, the gift of eternal life. Oh, I hope that you've sensed this morning that you have an amazing ally in God. He's only a prayer away. If you know Him as Savior, He lives within you. He is ready, able, and willing to supply you with His incomparably great power if you will seek Him. Paul wrote that, that you need to have the eyes of your heart enlightened to understand, first of all, that you as a believer have hope in Jesus. Secondly, to understand that you, yes, you and me, are a glorious inheritance for God. And third, that your enlightened spiritual heart will give you vision to grow so you can face the challenges in your life with His resurrection power. Believing friend, do you, do you receive that truth this morning? And will you, like Paul, pray that it will be true not only in your life, but also in the lives of Christians around you so that we're all strong in Jesus? I trust that you will. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we pray. Oh, Lord, we, we bow before you. Our strength. Lord, I... I look out over mostly new faces, uh, folks that are hopefully part of my forever family who will be with me in eternity forever. I know, first of all, Lord, that there are some here who may not have yet trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, I know that, that you are only a prayer way. Forgiveness is only a prayer way. You tell us in your word, Lord, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness for our sins. It's not a matter of just saying, I'm sorry. But it's coming before you and saying very simply, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Please forgive me for my sins and take up residence in my life. Give me this power that you tell me about in your word that is based on the resurrection of Jesus and strengthen me to be all that you've called me to be. Just something like that, Lord, that really transfers trust from ourselves to you, our Lord and King. And then, Lord, for these dear ones around, Lord, who are facing difficulties and trials in life, I pray, Lord, that they would seek you, their strength. And, Lord, that... that the joy that comes. You tell us, Lord, in your word that, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, I pray that you'd fill them with joy and strength in their inner being, Lord, as they seek and trust you this week. May this be a, a week of hope. Lord, in the midst of, of all kinds of nasty stuff happening around us, a society that seems bent on running away from you and your truth, Lord, that we can live as people of hope and joy because of who our confidence is in. We love you and praise you, Lord, and thank you for all that you will do. We trust you in Jesus' name.
song, I really like singing this song because you're just singing scripture. Exactly what the pastor said, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We don't get anywhere except through him. So it's, it's great to sing that right back to God. Thank you, God, that, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Through every battle, every heartbreak, every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding.
out of here with hope today. <laughs> and uh, the problem is never God. He's ready and willing to meet us all the time. But we have to surrender our lives to him and to his strength in our lives. I, I, have, I have times when I've gone into my office and, uh, well, I, my office is in her laundry now. But anyway, <laughs> it's a really interesting place to study. But anyway, um, when I, I, there are many times I go in there and I'm, I just like sit down and start working. I'm a pastor. I'm trained to do this stuff. You know what I came to see that as? Presumption. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And in a sense, I can go in my office and say, I can handle this, Jesus. I can't. <laughs> and so if you're, if you're struggling with this today and you're going through a difficult time in your life, just surrender it to him. If you come to him with open hands, Lord, I'm not holding anything back. I want you to be in charge. I want to receive the power and strength that you want me to have. And I, and I pray that you'll go with that hope in your mind that he will meet you, that you'll trust him. You'll believe his word when he promises that you're a glorious inheritance and that he wants to strengthen you each and every moment for all that will come your way this week. God bless you as you go.